Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. Hello, listeners. I have something a little more comical for you than usual tonight. What you're going to hear is another Nighttime Live episode, which is the ones that I've been recording and streaming live on YouTube every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday night. In this episode, I invited my good friend, The Operator, who hosts and produces a popular podcast called The 911 Calls Podcast with The Operator. On his show, he plays and tells the story about what happened before and after 911 calls. Since he was coming to my show, I wanted to try to set up something similar for him. So what I did was I took my favorite piece of audio, which is a roughly three minute long phone call that went viral about 10 years or so ago. It came from a call center in my hometown, and it is basically the most legendary, most epic freakout type of thing of all time that I've ever heard. Um, I won't set it up too much because we talk a lot about it in the episode, but basically I invited the operator on the show to uh, talk about that call and basically just chat. It's it's a loose, casual conversation, um, more so than the typical episodes, but I think a lot of people will uh, will enjoy it, and I think a lot of people will enjoy the phone call that we, we play and talk about. Also, we um, I talk about a, a recent crime or attempted crime that I was a victim of, which is a weird story and kind of unsettling but we'll get to all that now so again uh, thanks for joining me for another episode of the nighttime live series thanks for everyone who watched and on, along on youtube and asked questions and again thank you to everyone who included nighttime in your holiday plans by purchasing uh, nighttime shirts and mugs and stickers and apparel if you're interested in getting anything like that check out nighttimepodcast.com and then click on the store. There's a whole variety of sizes, colors, and everything else to choose from. Now, let's get to the episode. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. If it's not the operator from NBC fame, I wasn't sure how uh, how large to make the little rectangle your head appears in, because it's uh, last time we talked, it was um, you weren't nearly as big of a deal as you are now. It's hard. Uh, yet since then, uh, let's see, little things, NBC interview, which you know was kind of he, he neither here nor there. But <laughs> and then I lined the office with uh, some you new know, cedar planks and. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so how are you, man? NBC must have brought some wealth, some fame. How are you yes. handling it? It's, uh, you know, it was good. Uh, you know what? And I, I posted something later in the day because, you know, you do something like that and you get kind of excited and feel kind of full of yourself. But at the end of the day, I was actually, this is, I don't mean this to sound creepy, but I was actually thinking about you at the end of the day. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, man, that guy is like, what are, what are you, your, your, uh, what do they call that? Where you're 20, across the nation? 21. What do they call that? Oh, uh, <laughs> across the nation. Oh, um, like you're, you're talking syndicated. about radio? Syndicated. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're syndicated and like, hey, I'm going to be on CBC again. And uh, I mean, I could only, yeah, I was humbled thinking about, you know, I was so full of myself for a moment and I'm like, man, there's people out there that are totally totally big and i'm just this little tiny fish but it was fun it was a lot of fun well cbc is not uh, cbc is a bit different because what happens with cbc is um although it's like a national uh news network they're really broken down per province so being on cbc nova scotia is way different than being on like cbc national and the only time i've ever been on cbc national is when my um scorned glove fetishist tried to take over my show <laughs> and uh trust me you there's nothing to be jealous about in that whole situation <laughs> that was uh yeah I, I was watching that with bated breath to see like how everything went uh played out with that um well okay i should also clarify then too if anyone that's seen me it was on nbc lx which is sort of new 
it's uh it's their 24-hour streaming thing that they're doing but it's it's in 54 markets they said i don't know what a market is maybe that's like a grocery store uh (laughs) and they said 24 million homes so i don't know that's more that's more listeners than we have by about 24 million so i was like do it yeah, no, that's that's awesome, man. So it was a, it's great to see your show and your work getting some recognition because not everyone has the guts to to listen to the awful crap that you play to your listeners. Because okay, yes. So you're talking about just talking to Lou. Yeah, the the banter between yeah. the nine one one calls. <laughs> so so tiring listening. He's always like, "Don't worry, I'm not that drunk. Let's play." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Probably. But, you know, I really feel like he's coming along. I feel like, uh, you know, he's he's jogging more. He I'm having we have an accountability video every morning. Yeah. The uh, the 911 calls uh, podcast sensitivity training has gone a long way with him. Uh, Step number one for Jack was to like get off the Internet where he only seems to uh, shovel crap into his own mouth publicly. He he's a special breed when it comes to the social medias. He man, mm. oh, it's so funny. Look, somebody will just have a, the funny thing is like on Patreon. Like somebody will ask a question, like, "Hey, how do I um, how do I insert the podcast into my just you know my podcast player?" And I'm always like, "Oh, let me tell you how to do it. Step one, step two. And he's like, "Why can't these people figure it out?" <laughs> God love him. Oh, he's crazy. Um, I want to ask you, Op. Um. And this is not the topic we we came here to discuss, but it's something that's weighing on me pretty heavy today. So I just I want to ask you if you've ever been a victim of crime, be it minor crime or serious crime. So in your life, I know you're you're a a tough guy and you're a badass. You probably don't get messed with a lot. But has there ever been a situation where you fell victim to one of the types of crimes that you would cover on your show? Yes, actually, yes. And I want to say that I talked about it on a dark meet on our Patreon live stream one time. But I got I moved to Denver to go to the Art Institute of Colorado downtown. And I lived downtown, which uh, I don't know what downtown Nova Scotia is like, but downtown Denver is treat, let me tell you. <laughs> and I just moved in and I, I'll keep the story short because I'm not quite sure if you want me to tell the long form version, but. Um, it's out. You're already I, way over time, so just. Am I, okay, should I have just said yes? <laughs> <laughs> no, tell me the story. I want to hear every detail. All right, so I moved in downtown, and I lived like downtown, uh, and uh, I was two blocks from the school, and lived in this like one uh, studio apartment. And, uh, and my mother came down. She staged my whole apartment for me. It was great. I had uh, bleached hair at the time, and I, you know, I looked different. Um, this was in the days, I don't know if you remember electronics from back in the early, uh, the late 1900s, but I had like a zip drive at the time, oh, and yeah. like all these, I was a nerd, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and I'm, oh, my, can you hear that dinging? Can that's, you hear that? That's awful, yeah. Dude, that's my son. I'm gonna murder him. No, no, don't. This we're streaming. You can't talk about that. Okay, I won't. Okay, I won't. I won't talk. Okay. You're gonna Homer. just have, have a stern talk. I'll just say stop. <laughs> Angry face emoji. Okay. <laughs> it was like, Dad, I'm supposed to take out three leaf bags or four leaf bags for the garbage. I'm like, stop talking to me. I'm on the phone with someone famous. Um. Anyway, so, okay, so I'm downtown, and, like, you know, you move anywhere. I was like, I need to find the grocery store and, like, laundromat and all that. So I left the apartment with the backpack on with my zip drive in it and a bunch of electronics. Like, I'm going to, like, brag on the corner, like, hey, look what I've got. And I walked all around, found my grocery store and everything, and I was maybe three, four blocks away from home. I thought, oh, I should head back. So I crossed the street, and out of the corner of my eye, I see these group of guys cross the street. Uh-oh. uh down the road and didn't really think anything of it and then two of them showed up on the side of me um one one was black and one was white coats colors that i don't know what color their skin is i don't really pay attention to those things <laughs> like this left but their their coats one was black one was white i remember that and uh the guys one guy says to me he says hey do you have any weed and i said no <laughs> And I kept walking, and then the other guy says, do you got a gun? And I said, 
no. And then they proceeded to punch the face part Ooh. of me with a bar in their hand. They punched me. I fell forward and I got up and I immediately, I just said, you hit the wrong guy. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, look behind me, like two blocks. You see a dark car parked on the side of the road. There's a, have you ever heard of the witness relocation program? And they, I stopped them long enough to tell them that I got murdered in Washington. My family got murdered in Washington, D.C. I'd been relocated to Denver. I was under 24-hour surveillance and that they were going to lose if they did this. And I was like, man, you can go for it, but you're going to lose. And, and just as I got them calmed down, the cleanup crew from like somewhere else came over and I had to explain the situation to them. They apologized and let me go, except for the guy that punched me. He followed me for like two blocks. Wow. Boy, I was lucky. Uh, any bumps or bruises that stuck with you? Like you got scars from this? Yeah, well, not from that. I broke my neck in 2012 in a mountain biking accident down a double black diamond ski run uh, in the summertime. And uh, and I broke my back in 2007. But both of those were just normal, you know, extreme activities, mm -hmm. not really a crime. Well, the reason I ask all this is something happened to me today, sadly. Uh, this is this is real life. Uh, I was the victim of um, the most generic criminal I've ever seen. So you got the stream in front of you there. Uh, luckily, I've captured the whole thing on film. Uh, I'm telling the honest truth. So here's here's what went down. Um, so first thing this morning, I woke up. It's probably seven o'clock, and um, my wife is like, Jordan, like check the. We have a Ring video doorbell. You know, you know what they are. You've, you've already yeah. said ring. So it, it films any motion or anything outside my house. Uh, and my wife's like, Jordan, you got to like, check the ring video doorbell. Look what's on there. And I picked up my phone and my phone was dead. It turned out what happened is like I have one of those. Um, you lay your phone on it without plugging it in and it charges. But the thing never really works well. So my phone just died overnight. And that, that becomes a point because I'm so mad that my phone didn't buzz in the middle of the night when this happened. But anyway, um I told my wife, my phone's not working. It's dead. And she gave me her phone. And on my Ring video doorbell, it managed to capture the most stereotypical, generic criminal um, victimizing my family. Uh, if you can see the stream, check this out. Okay. So what you see, <laughs> I can't help but laugh. What you see is a man in shorts in a balaclava. He comes around Short. under my carport. That's my carport, and that's my vehicle right there. So I have it on a loop. So if you if you didn't get get him good the first time, what he does is he just sneaks up <laughs> with a, a balaclava on, <laughs> uh, checks my doors. Fortunately, I'm the most anal guy. Every night before I go to bed, I lock my doors of my car like ten times. Um, <laughs> so I think he just came in, and what probably happened? He he fled pretty quickly there. He just checked the door and walked off. But the Ring video doorbell, when it senses motion, it makes like a chimey sound, like dee -dee -dee -dee. so he probably oh. he probably heard it and was like, "Oh shit, gotta go." But if I had been awake, my phone would have made the sound, and I'm a light sleeper. I would have been. Uh, we probably would have had to postpone tonight's episode because I probably would have yeah. got I would have got my ass kicked in my driveway by this guy. <laughs> That's confidence for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what would have happened. But um, it's it's weird to see that happening in your driveway, um, right outside my house, because it's like the the door, like where the the vid, the doorbell that's filming that is the door into my home where me and my kids sleep. So it's kind of weird, but. The, what I find funny about it is just how, like, if you drew a criminal as a child, <laughs> that's like <laughs> kind of what you would draw. And it's, um, yeah. yeah, but like anyway, idiot criminal. That's yeah, just a real idiot. On and <laughs> but uh, luckily he didn't get in. And it's, it's funny because my, my car, uh, it was actually broken into about this time two years ago. What ended up happening was, um, it's probably like October 15th, let's say. And the only thing I had in the car of value was uh, earlier in the day that it got broken into, I went to like Walmart and got all my stuff to give away for Halloween. So I had like uh -huh. four big boxes of chips in the trunk. And we get up the next morning and we go to get in the car and to go to work. And my wife's like, whoa, like 
we must have left the trunk open because the trunk was just popped open a little bit. And then I'm like, oh, that's weird. And I shut it. And then we sat in the car and we're like, whoa, we must have left the glove box open and all the papers <laughs> fell out. <laughs> And then it was like, it was at that point, we're just both like, oh my God, like our car got broken into. So, uh, and that's when I, yeah. And that's when I realized the chips are gone. I'm like, the chips are gone. (laughs) So it was like, it was four, like 50, four boxes of like 50 bags of chips. So I can only imagine like two 17 year olds breaking into cars are like, we had jackpot. (laughs) Jackpot. Okay. That, that, I'm glad you said that last part. Cause I was like. I don't know how things go in Nova Scotia, but I could just see you like, and here you go. Here's a handful of ruffles for you, boy. And here, I could just see you like reaching into a bag of chips and just putting rot, you know, like un, <laughs> unprotected chips in a kid's like Halloween. Mm. <laughs> no, so no. these are individually packaged. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Like, it's a big cardboard box with like 50 individual little bags of chips. Okay. But either way, if I had have had the ring video doorbell, then you would have seen someone leaving with. Like those boxes are huge. They're not heavy, but they're just big. Cumber- it's like a, the size of yeah. a mattress if you took the four big boxes of it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that was a, that's what happened today. Uh, someone oh walked goodness. up to my car in a clava. I'm so sorry that that happened. Do you that, know? So you know, looking at this stream, I'm gonna wager to say that. That guy didn't get specially dressed for his his genius heist. I'll bet you money that guy's wearing that outfit right now. You could probably find him pretty easy. If I see a guy with shorts, a North Face jacket, and one of those oh. balaclavas, um, someone in the chat's criticizing the word balaclava. That's what those things are called, right? Where it's like they're yeah. it's like a winter hat that goes over your whole face so you just see your eyes. Yes. That's what we call them here. You guys, you guys call uh, toques toques, and we call them beanies. But uh, but balaclava, yeah, that's universal. I'm pretty well, sure. I don't know what else anyone I think call a that. Beanie's slightly different because like a a toque generally it, it where it comes down like near your eyes and ears or whatever it folds up like it folds over and then the toque oh. also has like the ball on top. Where oh, okay. Isn't it? I would call a beanie the one that's just like kind of tight all around your head no fold like a skull cap kind of. okay, okay yeah like a winter skull cap okay where the toque yeah. is a bit different oh well you should have to talk to jack about it i'm sure he can see yeah and he can well, send we, you we go around and around on it all all the time but you know i'd never had anybody def- delineate the def- def- fold up fold so i'm also going to wager that you say uh when a certain shade of pink goes more toward orange or red you also probably just call it salmon by nature don't you jordan <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know I'm terrible with colors, uh, but yeah, I would call that salmon. I, knew it. I would I just knew call it. that uh, yeah, I would call it salmon. But this guy who broke into my car, I I put the video up on Facebook and stuff. I was kind of hoping someone would identify him, not so he could get busted. I would just love to say, like, what happened to get you here? I'm thinking yeah. it's like a mix between like the pandemic, Christmas is coming, and probably like I don't know, meth kind of. Th- situation yeah. like you know like some dark stuff going on but it's um there's tough times here in nova scotia for a lot of people um i'm mm. sure it's the same where you are what's yeah, it yeah it's highs and lows where know. where are, what uh what's are you able to say where you are i know you keep it pretty private but what which state are you in or are you in a state? well i presume that you I, I presume that we're talking to an audience of less than um than than a million this time last time it was 24 million so i didn't <laughs> no no me. this is a, just a, a yeah. subtle step down from nbc mm. yes i i split my time between the antarctic region and idaho okay so what what would be the industry in idaho like where you grew up what would like when you were in high school and you were going to get a job where was it that you mm. found work um but, well, downtown Boise is actually quite large. I don't. I think it's half a million people now. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean there there is a there's a sizable amount of agricultural. The further out you get, I I personally I have five acre uh, farm with uh, we board horses sometimes and stuff. So I try to keep it real. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, you know, most of your industries are here. Like HP has a giant facility here. Amazon has a distribution center. Here. I mean it's kind of Fun fact to know and share, Boise is the most remote metropolitan in the United States, hmm. distance from other metropolitans. Yeah, it's the most. I didn't know that. 
No, I didn't know that either. In um, in Nova Scotia, well, especially in Cape Breton, where the part of Nova Scotia I'm from, the history is that once upon a time there was a massive steel plant, and everybody who lived in the city I grew up in worked at that steel plant. Then at some point in like the late 70s, early 80s, China began making steel cheaper than the plant that carried the town I lived in. So the plant that I that carried the town I lived in shut down and industry was pretty much somewhere between like tourism and unemployment and breaking into cars like this <laughs> this fella did. What was um of all the jobs you had growing up? What and this is going to be a segue into what I'm so excited to play for you. Um what was your worst job ever? I laid carpet for a week. Ooh. I was a dish dog at a gourmet restaurant, Ooh. and I worked at a custom men's clothier. My job was to walk around behind the C-level clientele who would come in and just like, when they're looking at ties that are all ornately you know, laid on the table, they just kind of do what a three-year-old does when you walk through the cereal aisle, and they just hold their arm out and then just, <clears throat> that's, how they, that's how they sort through ties. So, you know, ties are everywhere, and... They think I'm their assistant, and it was a nightmare. I've had a I've had a handful of jobs that I hated. Um, I I worked from I worked with Mike Boudet at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's not listening. I'm sure he's not. No, bless his heart. He's done a lot for the the, the biz, right? Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Um, I did the, you talked about being a, a, the dishwasher at a gourmet place. I was the dishwasher at a Indian restaurant and I'll oh, tell you, man. uh, eight hours straight of like spraying like curry off of plates. <laughs> you don't want to do that, man. That or fun. like, you know, when the rice would clog up the drain and I'd have to reach down and like the rice curry. Oh man. I only lasted a couple shifts on it, but. It was uh, where I grew up in Cape Breton, as I talked about there, it was the unemployment rate was nuts. Where I grew up, we had the highest unemployment rate, highest cancer rate, and highest teen pregnancy rate in all of Canada. It was, really? Yeah. Think it all was, I think so, because we had a lot of cultural problems going on at the time. And if you could get any job, you were like quickly became somebody in the community. And I got a job when I was like 17 or 18 working part-time at McDonald's. And oh. I honestly thought like I had, I had it figured out. I would earn enough in, in a week to go out like Friday night with my friends with like money to buy cigarettes and beer, which was a really big deal uh, for me <laughs> in 1996 or whatever that was. Sure, but sure. uh <clears throat> the but reason- you weren't one of the ones contributing to the cancer or teen pregnancy. You might, you know, you might. Now that I think about it, I think there are some dots you could connect there. You probably had some very extremely fertile cancer uh, people with cancer in your town. That's how you connect the dots between the pregnancy rate and the high cancer. I'm pretty sure I just figured it out. For yeah, you. I think you saw that. Where were you when my community was crumbling? Probably working. <laughs> you were washing dishes in Boise. Um, well, we had our cancer rate was due to I'd mentioned that steel plant. Now, get this. This sounds like mm-hmm. something I've made up, but this is completely true. Um, we had in the center of downtown. The town I grew up in is called Sydney. Uh, in the center of town was this massive steel plant um, and all the wastewater that came on the steel from the steel manufacturing had to go somewhere and there was a a large lake also downtown that once upon a time people would swim in and it was kind of like a beach sort of scene they decided to run the wastewater from the steel plant into this massive lake that was downtown which was all fine in like the 1930s because that was the kind of stuff you did but when i was born in the 1980s by then the there was hard, the water was so thick and polluted we called it the tar ponds because it was uh, half tar half water gross. and it stunk you couldn't go near it they had to fence it off because it was so dangerous and horrible and when you know uh, the environment became a concern in like you know the 70s or 80s or whatever they're like we got to do something about this so what they did was they built a massive incinerator and the plan was we'll scoop the tar from it bring it to the incinerator and burn it and ship off the ash. 
but put it into the air. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't even that easy because what happened was if they had say a truckload of this tar water solution and they burnt it, it would create almost a truckload of ash. So what was happening oh. is the incinerator, it would just clog itself up. It just couldn't do anything. It could just like basically boiling this froth until it just jammed and clogged. So what they ended up doing, it was a problem for years because it was polluted, it stank, but it was full of carcinogenic materials. What it, Hence the cancer rate. The people who lived closer to this tar pond were, um, the cancer rate there was just nuts. It was like Chernobyl. But what they ended up doing was uh, they dug out underneath it and put like a big plastic or rubber kind of mat and then they laid like a plastic bag over it and backfilled the whole thing. So now uh-huh. in the center of the town I'm from, there's a this really nice park with a playground and they had uh, Aerosmith played a concert there when they to open the park. But underneath that park is the tar ponds still wrapped in a large plastic bag. <laughs> Speaking of Chernobyl, they did that with Chernobyl too. Not too long ago, they're like, oh, the leak. The radiation's leaking out. So they created like this gigantic, immense, uh, like McDonald's M out of cement and they put it on the top of it and it's supposed to keep all the radiation. So, yeah, I mean, they, it sounds like they just were running off the same playbook, really. Yeah. And it's um, like, and ever since that happened, there's been no work in my community until maybe 15 years ago. We've got the tremendous call center industry came into our mm. community so it seems like most where i'm from if you have a job it's either tourism related because it's sadly it's the most beautiful place in canada cape breton island where i'm from but there's culturally it's a wasteland um, oh, okay so so we got some tourism that goes down but more than that it's everybody works at call centers We're talking about worst jobs. I'm talking to Ooh. the operator from 911 Calls Podcast, and now we're on the topic of call centers. Yeah. So I I, think, and I worked at a call center. I was an engineer at HP Call Center, actually, at one point. So oh, were you? I, I did sales for them once upon a time. Um, it was H, HP Shopping. Uh, but this is in the East coast of Canada. We would sell computers to Americans, but we all had accents and I used to, I used to love it. Cause the guy sat next to, he had the thickest accent. So the company here, you say like, say, thank you for calling HP shopping. My name's the operator. Say, so, so say that in a, in a regular American voice. Thank you for calling HP shopping. Um, the operator, how can I help you today? The guy next to me would answer the call from the guys from, from customers from California. And he would say, thank you for calling HP Shappin.com. My name is Nathan. <laughs> so, every time he answered a call, I would just like almost buckle over in my chair. <laughs> thank you for calling. Cause that's how they talk down here. Like, thank you for calling. And you're really going to hear it in what I called you here for. So the reason you're oh, here, okay. let me, let me tell you now, this has nothing to do with HP Shappin.com. This is, <laughs> This is um, one of the many call centers that opened in my hometown where people have really thick accents and they also don't take any shit from anybody. Um, A couple years back, one of the calls that is maybe the most, it's probably my favorite three minutes of audio on planet Earth. Um, It is a recording of a phone call that somehow leaked from one of the uh, rougher call centers in one of the rougher parts of my hometown. And I really want to play it for someone, and you're the absolute perfect person to hear this. We talked about worst jobs, uh, and I think we can. I think I can safely say the person, the people involved in this phone call, we are getting to hear the worst moment of their worst day of their worst job. (laughs) I am so excited for this. I'm super, super pumped. And I'm not even overselling it. Like it's better than I'm even making it sound. So who we're going to, what we're going to hear, I'm just going to set it up a little bit. There's still quite a bit of mystery about this call, but what we are going to hear is a call between two people who loosely work for the same company. It's like a, it's, it's like a internet television kind of company, like provider, internet service provider. Like I think in the States is Shaw, the big one. I I don't know the names of them, but Anyway, um, 
every area has their own place where you go and get your TV and internet and telephone from. So it sounds yeah. like the female voice, her name is Donna. <clears throat> she works in the call center in Cape Breton and installers from across Canada will call her to get her to activate a customer's television and internet. Okay. okay. So what we hear is Donna, the call center oper worker in Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia, Canada. And then we hear Victor who's calling her from Ontario to set up a customer's home phone. You ready for this? Okay. So the, excited, the yes. call starts, I, I broke it up in a few in, into a few sections because I'm going I'm to copy your style just so you feel at home here. So here's, here's how it starts, and it starts pretty calmly. Hi, thank you for calling. My name is Donna. Can I have your first and last name, please? Yeah, my first name is Victor, V-I-C-T-O-R. V-I-C-T-O-R? Yeah, and the last name is... And is this residential or Soho? Residential, you know. Okay. Can, is there high-speed internet in the home? Uh, yes. Cable or DSL? Cable. Can I have the postal code, please? Okay, what's the phone number? And what's your customer selecting for their products? Uh, they have selected, you know, uh, call display and uh, uh, call waiting. Call display and call waiting. Yeah. And what's the long distance plan? Smart plan. Smart plan. And what did you offer your customer for promotion? Uh, $10 off per month for four months. Are they an existing customer? Uh, they are getting their existing customer, but they have free cable because they bought a new home for two months. Uh, say that a little slower, Victor. Uh, they got the cable and the internet because they, are, they got a new home. Uh -huh. They got two months free. So oh. still they are under two months free promotion. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, did you go over the activation checklist with your customer? Yes, and I handed over a copy also. So, so far, pretty uneventful. Yeah, yeah, very familiar call center uh, voices. There. Yeah, the only sign of the trouble that's on its way was, can you slow down a bit there, Victor? You heard uh -huh. her say that when he's, they got yes. the free but it's, um, but yeah, that's kind of the setup and you kind of learn their roles in that section uh, of the call. You can hear that Victor is calling to get Donna at the call center to, uh, to set up the home phone and, and, and television. And she's asking some basic procedural questions. Did you go over the checklist, you know, residential or whatever? So, so far, there's not a lot to say. Right. You've probably, you've, you've probably called places and had interactions like this. The only thing really unique about this, I suppose, is that they're both sort of working in some capacity for the same company. Neither of them are a customer. Right, yeah, when you can kind of tell. I was impressed, actually. I forgot for a second that the guy was working for the same company because he, like, had every answer she asked about. But, okay, now it makes sense because they were working for the same company. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Let's but they, they're, they're working for the same company, but I, I could never figure out exactly whose responsibility was what. But pretty soon we're going to see that there is a power struggle brewing here. I'm going to play the cool. next section, and it's going to okay. – uh, we're going to see the – the slow decline again, just to, I don't know if you saw the cover art, but this episode I've called it Donna and Victor's very ugly and uh, are very big and very ugly disagreement. We're going to hear them begin to disagree. And they're not moving over the next two weeks, are they? Uh, no. Okay. The customer is aware of the two pieces of identification? Yes. I called before, and at that time the customer was with me and over at the mall. So they said when he goes back home, you call him because we like to talk on his home phone number. I said, fine. So where where are you at? At the mall, are you? At, at the Shoppers World Mall in Brampton. Oh, yeah. And where's your customer? Then the customer was here. They signed everything, and now they went home, you know. We don't do three-way calls anymore, Victor. We're not so then, allowed. So then how are you going to do it when the customer was here, you know, they said oh, we want the customer to be home because he, he didn't have voicemail, you know. Okay. Uh, you have to be in the customer's home. You can't be in a mall setting up a customer for home phone service. No, but this is a Rogers kiosk, you know. It's a Rogers what? It's a Rogers kiosk. It's a Rogers kiosk. 
Ja. I don't know if you caught that, but he's trying to explain this is a kiosk. I'm not at the mall. And she, cause she's like, at the mall, are you? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think of the accents? Oh, I love it. They reminds me of, have you ever watched that show Fargo? Like, yeah. She's like, she's, she's got the Fargo thing going on. At least has the U.S. version. So. Yeah, no, that I mean, is. He, a... he, he's classic. He's, you know, he's got the standard. I, I believe that's Los Angeles accent he has. <sighs> I don't know about that. He, sa- he says I'm in Brampton, which is in Ontario. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, her her accent is um, where I'm from. That is like our version of Karen, you know, like Karen, the Internet kind of <laughs> mad person. Yeah. The voice that she has when I grew up, if you heard that accent, you know, you you were in for someone who was ready to throw down. And someone was about to say your middle name. Yeah, and she is, and she's so quick with them too. She's so sharp. Like, uh, we're not, uh, we can't do three way calls anymore, Victor. We're not allowed. Like the way she says that, I loved it. And I, I can make fun of that accent because, like, I had it before. I um, over years of uh, working jobs where I had to talk to people in the U.S. or across Canada, I slowly had my accent kind of chopped away until I'm, I'm now I'm as neutral as I've ever been in terms of accent, but. If you heard, I, I, I commend you. It's not bad. I, I there are a handful of times where I like her want to say, uh, uh, Jordan, can you say that again? I couldn't quite <laughs> figure out what you're talking about. <laughs> just uh, kidding. You should hear. Well, my dad was on an episode. I just did an episode um, three weeks ago or so, and you would dig this one too. It's a because it's musical related. When I was oh. a kid growing up in the town that this call was coming from. Um, probably eight or nine years old, our our local celebrity was this man named Chicky McPhee. And I did a, a two-part series on Chicky. And what made uh-huh. Chicky a celebrity was he's just this regular guy. And one night at a karaoke event, he got completely hammered and sang the song Wild Thing. And <laughs> everyone in the bar loved it. The next weekend, Chicky's there. So everyone's buying him drinks and they're like, sing Wild Thing. He goes on stage. He can't sing at all. He's hammered, sings Wild Thing. Everybody loves it. So they start telling people. So at karaoke the next week, you know, there's a lineup outside and Chicky's in there, you know, so everyone knows he's going to sing. And it got so big that when I, again, when I was eight or nine, everybody had shirts. They said, I heart Chicky. And they would send TV crews to the karaoke and they would broadcast his performances live on our community TV channel. And so... And when you hear this guy, his it's like the thick you can hardly make him out just like wow thing and and the bar is going nuts and I have videos of him people are lifting him up onto the stage the the band plays because it was like a live band karaoke he'd sing wild thing and I have the video where they push him onto the stage to sing and then at the end of the song he falls off the stage <laughs> but um so that's the kind of that's the kind of place uh, we're dealing with here. But anyway, this is this is not a Chicky McPhee story. Um, it's about to get it's about to get wild. So let's get back to the call. So we're okay. we're at Victor calls Donna. He's trying to get the home service set up. It turns out that Victor should have been doing this from the customer's home, but he's saying the customer couldn't call for whatever reason from the home. So I came back to not an office but a kiosk at the mall. Operator, you know what a kiosk is, right? Yes, okay. yes. French word for mall, uh, mall store in the middle of a hallway. Yeah, because she's like, a what? A Kia? She doesn't seem Kia. to know. The mall from back in my hometown, we didn't have kiosks. So in her defense, in her mind, he just left the customer's house and he's at the mall doing this. <laughs> and she is about to lose her goddamn mind because of it. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. You're going to need hugs after this. <laughs> Sister, I can't hook up anybody that is not home and you're not face-to-face with the customer. Look, that means I have to go to the customer's room to find this. I, 
All agents have to be in front of the customer, yes. See, when I was in front of the customer, they didn't sign up. Why didn't they sign up? You know, they said, you know, we are in your home and it's not, you don't have voicemail, we cannot sign you. Why didn't they sign up at that time? I've listened to that call a thousand times and it's still like when she starts screaming over him, <laughs> my stomach starts to hurt. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't understand everything he was saying, but it sounded like he was like, you're not supposed to talk to me that way or something. That, that's basically it. It's, he's like, you shouldn't be yelling at me. Would you listen? <laughs> Why do you use people? You got to be calling here, giving us a hard time in the office. <laughs> <laughs> did, did she say at the end did she say have a good time <laughs> I think that's it yeah she disconnected the call I like at one point I don't know if you can hear it but at, at one point in the middle of shouting she acted like he was really going to get it she's like oh she's like I'm Donna and you're Victor right and he's like yes and she's like good the tape's being pulled <laughs> so like, someone out back is like listening in on what's happening they're like we gotta find out who this guy is right now shut him down <laughs> um so i'm trying to my technical support brain is kicking in here i'm trying to figure i like t though because like he could just she could donna could give him the information and he could just relay it to the person right i mean she's I, I believe she's wrong. <laughs> I, I feel like she must be. Um, yeah. But even if she isn't, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I've tried to figure out what is, what actually, there's a few mysteries in this call. Mystery number one is like, what is happening? Because when this, <laughs> this leaked on the internet, probably 10 or 15 years ago, and with very little information, you, you probably heard that I beeped some sections out. So she uses her full name and... Uh. I was, it was really sad that I had to beep out her last name because when she says her full name, the way she says it is just really funny anyway. But, um, <laughs> what if you just did her last name now and not her first name now? Then we wouldn't know, like, what her first and last he didn't know. It does, I don't know if it works like that. I don't know YouTube well, but I think you can rewind. <laughs> um, but it's but the mystery is like what the first mystery is like what is happening and why is that such a big dis deal like that disagreement they have seems to be she wants to have this call while the customer's like standing behind him yeah and he's like oh the customer was here at my like at the kiosk for this company like I'm at work I I <laughs> think what it is is when she heard that he's at the mall. I think she thinks he's like off duty and he's at the mall with his friends. Just like, oh, I got to call this in right quick. And Hold she, on, guys. And you guys just, go ahead and go in. I'll pick up some socks while I talk to this lady. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he had someone in the, in the chat there, Brad says, why would they even have a kiosk? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's uh, I think that disagreement just put her, to a to a real defensive position and she just couldn't take 
him talking fast and not really like making her the boss. And he, I think he just, she just freaked out. Uh, I also heard that, I don't know if this is true. I heard this was her last shift. Yeah. <laughs> um, We've had a couple of those last shifts, last shifters on nine one one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think this was not planned to be her last shift. I think this call <laughs> was like, this made it her last shift. Um, and I don't know if she chose to leave or like what happened but unless she was the only person in that office in that call center i'm sure every other person was standing up being like what the hell is donna doing <laughs> would you listen to me <laughs> um, you know to this day donna probably says it like some scorned ex-girlfriend where she's like no i broke up with them mm. i broke up with i I it was I was me that did it. Yeah, and then they like hit play on the tape and like done. <laughs> we all know. Um, yeah. But what do you think of this? The question I always have is like, how did this even get out? This phone call. Yeah, I, I know. I know how that gets out. Um, speaking of HP, we had you know the customer service. You know, you're always recording the calls, and so in training, they're always like, "Don't do this." And there was always some blooper calls. I'll bet you that's how that got out. It's like it was part of training, like, hey, don't lose your cool like Donna. Um, <laughs> so like, Let me see that USB drive for a second. I'm going to just, you know, I just want to look at it. Well, it could. That's that's a good theory. But let me tell you, I edited that call to um, to play it on air. And my editing remo- was in- included removing all the customer's personal info, name, address, phone number, <laughs> last name oh yeah like all it was every bit of it was intact so i edited out all that personal info in their last names and stuff in their company name so i think i don't think that's what it is but because it's um i don't know maybe wikileaks it could be i honestly i think that a manager at that call center just thought it was way too funny it had to share it, but knowing where I grew up and kind of the, the feel of that town and the culture of that town, people work like it's volunteer. Like, um, even though the economy is horrible, everyone's unemployed. When you go into a business, even a business, you would be used to a certain type of service. Like if you went to McDonald's in my hometown, it would be, um, it, it wouldn't be unusual to see like the person at the cash register kind of with their back against the cash register on their phone. And, you know, and someone else who operates the drive through is like outside smoking and they like run in, you know, like everything is really casual. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I could see like a manager at an office version of being on the phone at your, you know, while you're on duty at McDonald's would be kind of similar to, taking this hilarious call and passing it around because this what ended up happening maybe again maybe 10 or 15 years ago when this call first came out call centers in my hometown were a big thing everybody was working at them and getting fired and getting hired and all this and somebody got this call and it spread around everybody in that town so this person in the call donna became kind of a like a a a celebrity a <laughs> um and i think uh i've never met her but i would i would love to and i think i'd recognize her voice if she shouted at me oh i would i think so i think you're onto something there you know because well manager level at a call center probably was manager level at a steel mill a couple months before so you know they're pretty hard-edged people and i'm yeah. sure they were like <laughs> objectively it's a funny call i'm gonna put it on youtube um but this is a bit different than what you usually listen to on 911 calls so i I tried to add the criminal element by telling you about my broken in car so i think if you Uh if you or my attempted break in my car i think if you took everything we've done so far and just boiled the whole thing it would end up somewhere like what you do yeah it's it's right on it's right on par might even make it a dark call um yeah donna would be a good fit for a dark call oh donna donna man i could do a lot with donna if i could get her phone number (laughs) oh i'd love to call her um because i i have a feeling donna's the type that she doesn't turn it off like i think she's always the way you heard her on that call it probably doesn't take much to get her right there 
well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before you know it, she's saying something racist and Ooh, yeah. you know, or just off color enough, and then she ex- excuses it by saying, "Well, that's what my parents told me. That's how I was raised." <laughs> I was there was a few points in the call where I was kind of waiting for it to get there because she was really annoyed with how quick he was talking. Yes, and although it, it, nothing happened to really say like that's where it was going, but I got that vibe at a few points. Yeah, I, I think that that guy checked a couple boxes for her, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> but uh, I think if she did get fired, I think um, it's probably good for her to not have that uh, position. Because I think uh, you you take some years off your life screaming at people like that every so often. Oh, I, she loses that job. What, she goes back to working at this, the, the, the sledge farm at the lake, right? Is that <laughs> the tar ponds. <laughs> we used to go uh just one anecdote about that in the i would grew up like skateboarding a lot and the best spot yeah. to skateboard in my town was very close to the tar ponds so we'd smell it all the time but our big like the big game we would play in the winter the the tar would be more so on the bottom the water would be on top so in the winter it it would freeze over and we used to like make like dare each other to try to get across it and uh, we'd run across it, you know, and slip it and slide. But I had a buddy who fell in and he fell in like up to his broke through the ice, only went to like maybe his waist. He's crawling out. We pulled him out and true to like the the structure of the tarpons, his like upper body was soaked and his shoes had like it wasn't mud. It was literally like if like thicker than tar, just horrific black <laughs> sludge it's you would never have washed it off if you pressure washed what was on his shoes it, the water would just beat up and splash back in your face with the shoe just untouched you should um, follow up with that guy i'll bet you money if it's anything like other tar pits his feet probably haven't aged yeah at all. imagine that he's, <laughs> he's still wearing the shoes he's like it's amazing <laughs> these are they're perfect <laughs> uh but yeah Anyway, uh, so that's about uh, that's the whole call I got for you. Uh, what's wow. what? What is your takeaway on this? Do you want to go see Cape Breton and maybe visit one of these call centers? This seems the kind of place you'd want to be. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I I would go if somebody would tell me where they keep their their backups of the calls <laughs> because I would start a whole other podcast. And honestly, if you could, that would be a gold mine. It, the, oh. That area, it's so wild. If you could get even just a day's worth of calls from that call center, especially in this era. Oh man, that would, I would listen to that. You know, what's funny about it. Having worked in a call, you know, that um, when you're Joe, somebody calling into that, that phone, when they say, let me put you on hold for a second, you can't hear them, but the, the recording is still recording everything from their end. So every question they're asking a manager or, or any dissing they're doing of the person on the call, that's all on those recordings. So those would be gold. Oh, now mm-hmm. I feel like I should try to find some. <laughs> well, you could have a, you know, there, I'm sure there's like prank call kind of podcast. You could have like a similar kind of thing of on yours where every so often you could do a call that's not necessarily a 911 call, but just a wild call. Not a prank call, but something right. like this. Um, but it, yeah. it's hard to get. But I think the 911 calls, uh, I love listening to you two break them down, and I I joke a lot by saying that you t- that your banter just takes away from the nine one one call, but that's that's not true. It's almost like um, when you go for a nice burger, like the the burger itself, of course, like the patty is very important, but yes. the patty alone on a plate is kind of weird. It's when you sprinkle the ketchup and the mustard and the pickles and the hot peppers and the lettuce and cheese. And you have a nice bun. You and Jack add all those elements that really elevate that patty to, I would say your show is kind of like a, I would say like a junior Whopper. Like in yes. That. I agree. Yeah. It's a symphony of flavor. It's really what it is. I, I, I identify as the buns of the show, but you know, without it, you know, whether it's a hot dog, a wiener, or what you know, wh- how whatever analogy you want to use, yeah, I, I we usually go with the hot dog. I'm the buns, he's the wiener, but <laughs> you know, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a um, so we'll we'll start wrapping it up with this up. But before we do, there's a lot of people here in the chat. Um, do you want to 
have anyone ask some questions? Do you want to chat with some people? Sure. Yeah, I'm all for that. Um, let's see. So if everyone, anyone in the chat, I'm, I'm my record. Okay, yeah, we're good. Yeah, anyone in the chat, I can make it so people can call if anyone wants to try to call in. And I can be, I can put them up on the screen if they're not shy. Or if people want to share a comment in the chat or ask a question to either of us, we can do that too. Um, or Jordan and Op prank calling people. Oh, man. <laughs> I imagine I had a way where I could call. I, You know, I'll tell you a story. Here's a, Here's something talking of prank calls i i don't know if it was growing up in like the era of like jerky boys you remember jerky boys and all that but i've always been interested in that sort of thing uh and found them very funny but this is go again going back to like 95 i was trying to call a friend um so let's say i'm calling jack and i pick up the phone i dial jack's number or actually Jack was my buddy from school, and I and I didn't know his number, so I went in the phone book and I looked up. You know, here's uh, Mark Luna. That's probably Jack's parents. I'll call Mark Luna, and I was like, "Hey, is Jack there?" And I was probably like 13 or something. And the voice that answers is like, "Oh, f- Jack, who lives here? What are you calling here?" And I was just like, "Oh my God! Like, I'm sorry, sir. Like, I was trying to call my friend Jack, and he just like lost his mind at me and hung up on me." So the next day at school, I told my friends, I was like, the craziest thing happened last night. I called this guy. I was trying to get Jack and this man lost his mind at me. And they're like, what's the number? And I was like, well, it's, and I gave them the number. So then the next day they're like, we called and he lost his mind on us. And we started like the the number spread around my high school and everybody was calling him nonstop just to get this man to lose his mind. And, and then, and the next day at school, we'd all talk about it. And one night it's like, again, I'm like 13. I'm in my, it's like a Friday night. I'm in my bedroom playing uh, like Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, like on the (laughs) Nintendo 64, that era. And my dad's like, Jordan, can you come out here? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, there's a police officer at the door that wants to talk to you. And my dad's like white as a ghost. And I was just like, oh my God, like what could this be about? And I go out to the entranceway of my house and there's two cops in uniform, the cars in the driveway. And they're like, we wanted to talk to you. And I was like, yeah, like what's this about, officer? And uh, he's like, Do you, does this name sound familiar to you, Mark Luna? And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, yeah, like it does. And then he told me that basically... Um, Mark Luna had been trying to get the police to figure out why all these kids had been calling. And I guess the cops went to a couple houses. They, they like traced a call to this one particular girl at my high school that I didn't even know. But she's, she's like, I only called the one time. I heard everyone at school talking about it. And they're like, well, how did you, like, how'd you get the number? And she's like, it came from Jordan Bonaparte. <laughs> so they came to my house. And, uh, yeah it it very quickly got back to me as being the one who started and i went and i told like i told the cop my dad's we're at my kitchen table it's like a man a male and female cop my dad and i and i was like i was like i'm just here's what happened and i told him the whole story i was like i just called the wrong number the guy went crazy i told everyone at school (laughs) and uh, nothing happened but anyway if you want to start a prank call podcast i'm in (laughs) oh yeah I think we should. Uh, that would do really well, I think. Um, I had this idea one time for a podcast, but I, I think it actually would fail. Uh, I, I thought, oh, this would be so cool. And it's just called, hey, remember me? And it's a podcast where you get somebody whose life was like altered because of somebody else, mm-hmm. like like a boss that ruined their life or a guy that you know hit and run or and and so you'd have all these people giving you all the content because they would just submit all they're like hey i yeah my uh my ex-mother-in-law has no idea that she ruined my life when i walked in on her and you know the mailman or and then you get them both on the show but i i think it might be really kind of heavy lifting so i'm Uh, still on the yeah i was when you said hey you remember me i thought it was going to be a show where you call people and you're like you look up their name in the phone book, you know, Jack Luna, and you're like, call. I'm like, hey, Jack, you remember me, man. It's Jordan from, we used to work together. And he's like, oh, you could, you could nah. kill that. You do that so well because you just, actually, you just use Facebook 
And then you've got all of their friends and family photos and like who they're related to and everything. Oh my goodness. You could, you could so good. It would be hilarious. (laughs) You could stream it live and you could just see how every night you could like every episode could be a different town. Like you just find a phone book for, you know, tonight we're going to Georgia, Tennessee. (laughs) We're going to try some guy in, you know, in Egypt, see what happens. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I've taken enough of your time, operator. I'm sure you have um, probably audio of someone getting strangled that you need to get to to drown out the corner gas. I do. I do. Yeah, that's my day is is how much audio do I need to listen to in 911s to get rid of the corner gas theme song in my head? Let me ask you this. On your show, what what's harder to take? Is it the crime that they're calling in about that you hear in the background or is it the operator who's just – the the call operator, the 911 call attendant or whatever, who's just ruining it. Cause I find it's I, 50, it I, is, it it's, is depending on the call. I mean, man, sometimes the operators, they leave a lot to be desired. Uh, you know, usually the callers are not prepared. Uh, so that's always a treat, but you know what to be, the more I do it, the more, the more I'm realizing there are these massive stories behind, behind the call. The call is four minutes of like, a huge thing that happens normally. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm getting the more, the more episodes we do, the more excited, I guess that's a terrible way to put it. I get about looking into the backstory of each one because there's, there's so much there that the call is oh, yeah. almost relevant compared to the story that is, you know, supporting this call. It's well, crazy. That, that's why the show's so awesome. What you do. It's like, you just, you can take that three or four minute audio and, you and Jack will break down the, you know, the one hour story that you need to hear to put the call in context. The one that sent me down the rabbit hole I listened to recently was, um, I can't remember the name of the case, but it was like a guy and his mom were calling because the son just confessed to killing a little oh, girl. Yes. Well, yeah. In Colorado. That was, Oh yeah. Um, the, the son told the mom, like the son must've just confessed to the mom. Like I killed her and she may Austin, or may, may not be under the house. Yeah, Austin Sid. Yeah. Yeah. And that, they'd been looking for that girl for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And yeah. And oh, it was, oh, um, that call, it was the, you can hear like the son and the mom passing the phone back and forth as the operators just trying to get information. Oh man, that was, that was intense. But... At the end of that, the goodbye where she, the cops were there and he was, she was giving him her last hug. Oh, it just breaks your heart. Yeah. But that piece of audio, like the audio alone was nuts. But when you hear the whole story of the, you know, the, the whole community has been looking for this girl for weeks, man, that was intense. Um, that one, that one stuck with me. Some of the episodes I have to break in the middle of it. Cause I'm just like, this is too much, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it, it's in, Often, like I, I said, like the difference between the what's going on with the call that generates the call and the operator um, that's handling the call, it's like I get anxiety, but it's like two separate types of anxiety. Hearing the crime happening can like freak me out, uh, but then when they're when the attendant is like butchering it, I get this whole different type of anxiety. So there's been a few episodes where I have two like distinct types of anxiety like slapping against each other like the the lady drowning mixed with the operator who doesn't seem to even care that this lady's drowning for like 15 minutes that was tough i want to say her name was donna too the the call center the 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 call the dispatcher wow donna's just shouldn't be in call centers that's all Mm. it's all i wonder anyway let's get out of here buddy we'll do this again sometime Hey, thanks so much. This was so much fun, and uh, I'm gonna put this uh, as an award on my on my shelf along with the the little tiny NBC one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. This has been a blast. Thank you so much. Before I wrap this up, I want to give a huge thank you to everyone who watched and everyone who's now listening. Without your interest and your support, nighttime would be both pointless and impossible. But having said that, keeping the show alive has been and still is an uphill battle. And if you want to help take a bit of the weight off the show's back, the easiest way to do it is by subscribing to the premium feed. Not only will it help make the show possible, 
it'll give you more of each topic than you're going to find here in the free feed. For example, after the release of this episode, there's going to be an additional 25 minutes of audio added only to the premium feed in which the operator and I take questions from the live stream's audience. You can subscribe to the premium feed at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And since I brought up the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers, Megan, Monica, and Melissa. Thank you all for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't help financially, you can give me a big hand by simply liking and sharing the episodes on social media. And if you have any story ideas or if you want to give feedback on the show, you can find me at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. Also, I'm on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using the handle nighttimepod. So with all that said, until next time, take care of each other. Hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.